Good morning, Christ Community Church. It's uh, great to be back with you uh, today and to be a part of this series. God, uh, series that you're doing. Uh, God died a few weeks ago. You studied. God resurrected. And today we're going to talk about God saves. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to me to, to Psalm 68. Psalm 68. And there in the, the back of your uh, worship guide is a little place where you can fill in some notes as we talk about this subject today of God saves. Psalm 68, and uh, let's read together. We'll begin in verse 19 and verse 20, and then we'll look down just a few verses to verse 28, then verse 34 and 35. So we think about this subject, God saves. Praise be to the Lord, to our God and our Savior, who daily bears our burdens our God is a God who saves. From the sovereign Lord comes escape from death. Down to verse 28. Summon your power, O God, and show us your strength, O God, as you have done before. Verse 34. Proclaim the power of God, whose majesty is over all Israel, whose power is in the skies. You are awesome, O God, in your sanctuary. The God of Israel gives power and strength to His people. Praise be to God. I want to look at this uh, verse 20 because this really caught my attention as I was preparing for our time together in this series. Our God is a God who saves. Our God is a God who saves. And if you get, I'm going to talk about all kinds of things today, but by the time I'm done, I want you to be able to walk out of here knowing Psalm 68 verse 20. Our God is a God who saves. And I want you to be able to apply this verse of Scripture to every area of your life, no matter what you're going through today, no matter what seems beyond hope. Listen, we just went through the resurrection of Jesus Christ last week as we celebrated Easter. Amen. And because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we can live out this, this statement, our God is a God who saves. And we're going to look at that today. You know, the problem was with Israel... The people of Israel, they, they forgot that God was a God who saves. And, and as you look at the, the, the children of Israel and, and their story, God had done so much in, in the life of Israel uh, to, to move on their behalf, to show His power, to work among His people. And they did, they did two things all the, way through the book of the, all the way through the Bible. The children of Israel, God's own people, they had forgotten that God was a God who saves. And because they had forgotten that God was a God who saves, they forsook this God who saves. And today, I, I, some of us may find ourselves in some troubled situations. And we know that God is a God who saves. We know the story of Easter. We know the story about the resurrection. But we kind of, maybe things have been going well for us the last few years and, and the last few months. And everything has been fine. We've been kind of doing life on our own. And all of a sudden, we're in trouble. We've forgotten and we've forsaken this God who saves. And it's time to call on this God today. Because our God is a, a God who was dead and is resurrected. And now He's a God who saves. Our God is a God who saves. Do the comps on, the, on, on our God. In fact, Exodus chapter 15, verse 11, Moses writes in that song of Moses, Who among the gods is like you, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? Our God is a wonder-working God. You know what? There's no one like Him. There's literally no one like our God. When you run the comps and you compare all the other gods, I, I just came back from Trinidad a few weeks ago and we took our team out 
to, uh, to see some of the things that are happening in the Hindu culture. And we went to a Hindu temple where they have a 90-foot monkey god. <laughs> 90 foot. Reminds me of some of the stories in Daniel where they bowed to an 85-foot idol. And people come and they, they, they say their prayers and they march around. They think if they march around this idol god that this, their god will help out. And I remember the first time I went out to this place, uh, one of our partners came up behind me and we're looking up this 90-foot monkey god that the, the Hindus worship. It's no god at all. And, and the guy came up to me and says, you know what? My god's bigger. <laughs> Amen? My god's bigger. Who is like the gods? Do the comps. There's no one like him. Uh, Deuteronomy 33, twice uh, in this passage of Scripture, verse 26 and verse 29, there is no one like the God of Israel who rides across the heavens to help you on the clouds of His majesty. Verse 29, blessed are you, Israel. Who is like you, a people saved by the Lord? Who else is like our God? There is no one like our God. You remember that song, God of the City? It's got this great line in it. There is no one like our God. <clears throat> there's no one like our God. And over and over throughout the theme of this song, and the God of the city, there's no one like our God. Remember that song, The Days of Elijah? One of my favorite songs. These are the days of Elijah. And you know, the first time I heard that song, I thought, man, it just repeats this one part over and over and over and over again. But I'm so glad it does, right? There's no God like Jehovah. There's no God like Jehovah. There's no God like Jehovah. You haven't got it, we're going to sing it again. And over and over and over and again. You know why? Because we're a lot like the children of Israel. We've forgotten that our God is a God who saves. And we've often forsaken our God who saves. And then we wonder why we're in this trouble that we're in. Pastor Keith called me a few months ago and asked me to preach this morning in the series and to preach on God, Our God Saves. When he first told me the title, I thought, that's great, man. That would be simple. That would be really easy to preach on Our God Saves because I preach on salvation all the time. And and uh, no problem. And then I started studying the Word about, I started looking up in the Scripture, our God saves. And doing the comps throughout Scripture and seeing how this mighty God, powerful, wonder-working, awesome God, and all He does uh, to save us. Are you familiar with the term bundling? I mean, it's like the hot thing. I'm, I'm just waiting for this to hit the church. Sooner or later, it's going, we're going to start bundling stuff here. I mean, you tie the church and you get all this stuff with it, you know? <laughs> it's, it's coming, I'm telling you, it's coming. It all started for us when cable started bundling. And so instead of just getting cable TV, you now get phone and internet. It's all, all, all bundled together. Then the insurance companies decided, you know what, we'll start bundling together too. Instead of having auto insurance and home insurance and all this kind of stuff, we just bundle it all together. And it just kind of just, you, you, you wanted this and you get all this other stuff with it. And it doesn't stop there. I had representatives of our bank come out to talk to me a few weeks ago and tell us about all the changes that they're making in the bank. And now my free checking is no longer free. <laughs> you know? But I get all this stuff bundled with it. So I get life insurance now with my banking account. I just want, hey, save the life insurance. Just give me the free checking account. That's what I wanted, you know? But now, I mean, it's this huge list. Now, listen, we're going to start charging for all this stuff, but we're bundling it all together, and you're getting all this other stuff now. It's great. Listen, here's the one I love. I'm an Amazon Prime guy. I just shop at Amazon all the time. That stuff comes to our office every day. The UPS shows up every day. Amazon Prime. And so, I'm, you know, free shipping that I pay a lot of money for, by the way, uh, in the Amazon Prime. But now they've, they've written me and said, hey, you know, you're, you're buying stuff all the time. We want to know we've bundled a bunch of stuff, so you're paying for free shipping. But we now give you free movies. We knew that. So now I'm traveling around all the country, getting free shipping anytime I order something. I can watch movies all over America, you know. Bundling. I started thinking about this idea, this concept of bundling, about this God that we pursue and we seek, that God's pursuing us and desires to have a relationship with us. 
a God who died and rose again and wants to save us in our lives. And there's so much more than just the aspect of salvation that this God of Israel saves for us. And so I want to take a look at Scripture, some of the things that I've learned in my study as I started pulling out about this God who saves us. Uh, uh, Psalm 68, verse 20, our God is a God who saves. What does He save us from? If you flip over on the back of your worship guide, let's fill in the blanks. By the way, these are not, exclu- not an exhaustive list here. These are not the only things that God saves us from. This God, this uncomparable God, this wonder-working God. But let me just walk you through this morning some of the things that the Bible says our God is a God who saves us for. And I want you to see how God begins to bundle Himself, and He's provided for us not only God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He's bundled it all together to provide for us access to Him. And so when we call on the name of the Lord, we can be saved. This wonder-working God who saves. Notice, first of all, I would suggest to you in our, in our scriptures together today that our God is a God who saves us from the consequences of sin. Our God, I had to start here because God saves. First, when I first read about this sermon series, I thought, well, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about God as a God of salvation. God is a God who saves. He saves us from the consequences of sin. Romans 3, verse 6, verse 23, what does it say? The wages of sin, say it with me, is death. <clears throat> that's what we deserve. That's what our sin brings us. The wages of sin is death. However, God had a plan. Our God is a God who saves. He saves us from our sins. He saves us from our hopelessness. He saves us from our despair. Our God is a God who saves us from the consequences of sin. And while the wages of what we deserved was sin, uh, death, the, the Bible goes on in verse 23 to say this, but the gift of God, this God who saves us, is eternal life. John 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. Notice in the next verse, verse 17, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Our God is a God who saves us from the consequences of sin. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, 1-5, he says this, And you, He made alive who were dead in your trespasses and sins. Why? Because God died. God was raised to life in the resurrection, as you've talked about these first two weeks in your series. And now He can make us, He can save us from the consequences of sin. And though we were dead in our trespasses and sin, He's made us alive in Christ Jesus, in which you once walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom we also once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others, but God. Don't you love that phrase? But God. Our God who saves. But our God who saves steps in, who is rich in mercy because of his great love which he loved us even when we were dead again in our trespasses, made us alive together. For it is by grace that you have been saved. Our God is a God who saves us from the consequences of sin. Again in chapter 2, verse 8, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Our God is a God who saves. Micah chapter 7, verse 18 says this, Who is like God? Who is like you, God, who pardons sin, and forgives the transgressions of the remnant of his inheritance. Who's like God? There's no one to compare to him. Our God is a God who saves. Notice number two. Not only does God save us from the consequences of sin, 
as you look at the scripture, this, this, this bundling God who brings it all together for us, he's a God who, who saves us from the storms of life. He's a God who saves us from the storms of life. I love the song we sang, I am holding on to you in the middle of the storm we sang today. How many of you are there? Storms come, and you're holding on to God. There's a great story in Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 through 27, about the disciples. Jesus sent his disciples out, and uh, they've been out ministering, and they're, they're out there in the storm. Jesus is, is, is kind of wore out from a time of ministry, and he goes up in the front of the ship, and he begins to lay down and, and rest just a little bit. And, and all of a sudden, suddenly this great storm comes upon us. And, and it's not long before the disciples are waking Jesus. And listen to what he says in verse 25. Then the disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Save us. We're going to drown. Let me tell you what the text tells us about this storm. If you're looking at Matthew chapter 8 this morning, we, we learned some things about the storm. It's important to learn these things because if you're going through a storm right now in your life, you need to know that our God is a God who saves, not only from the consequences of sin, but He saves us uh, from the storms of life. So what do we learn? We learn in this story that, that storms, they can come up suddenly. In verse 24, it was all of a sudden, everything's great. Jesus is out resting in the front of the ship. Everything seems like it's fine. It's just all of a sudden, the storm comes up out of nowhere. Notice number two, that these storms not only can be sudden, they can be severe. The Bible says it was furious. It was a furious storm, not just a small storm, but it was a furious storm that began to come up. It was unplanned, it was unexpected, and it was unwelcome, and it was severe. It was furious. We also learn about these storms that they can only be not only sudden, but severe. They can sweep over you. As, as they describe this story in the book, in the Bible, in the, all, in the gospel writers' accounts of the story, it begins to talk about the waves. The storm became so strong that the waves were coming over into the ship. Anybody been on a boat? You like it when the waves start coming in the ship? It's not good, is it? And so, I mean, it's fine. The storm's coming up. It's off in a distance. It's suddenly coming up. It's furious. And then all of a sudden, when the waves started sweeping over, Fear began to settle into the life of these disciples, and they're sweeping over. But remember this, if you're in a storm right now and it's starting to sweep over, remember the promise of Isaiah 43, verse 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And though the rivers, they shall not overflow you, they shall not overtake you. The scripture goes on. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not scorch you. Keep that in mind. You know why? You know why that's true? Because God is with us, and our God is a God who saves, who saves us from the storms. We also notice in this passage of Scripture that, that these storms that we go through, they can leave us extremely scared. You know what they said to Jesus when they finally woke him up? Lord, wake up! Wake up, Lord! You know what they said? We're going to drown. Let's interpret that. We're going to die. We're going to die here. I love it as you read... Uh, Mark's story. All the other gospel writers, all they do is they say they, the disciples shook Jesus and said, Lord, save us. We're going to die. Mark tells us something really interesting that the other gospel writers don't tell. You know what Mark tells us? An interesting point. <clears throat> when they wake Jesus, what they say to him is this, Lord, don't you care that we're about to drown? Let's be real just for a moment. <clears throat> How many of you feel like the waves are starting to overtake you? <clears throat> you come this morning, and it just seems like you're going through a storm. It came up sudden. It's severe. You're scared. It's starting to swallow you up. 
and you're to the point now where you're scared to death. You're thinking, I'm not going to make it through this. Lord, we're going to die. Lord, save us. And sometimes when we go through these severe storms, the enemy wants us to think this one thought. God doesn't care about you. God doesn't care what you're going through. The God of the universe, this wonder-working God, He could care less about the problem in your marriage. He could care less about your wayward children. He could care less about the financial troubles that you're going through. That's what the enemy wants to say to us. The God that you serve, the God that you follow, He doesn't even care. He's asleep. You know what I've learned in my life? That if I call on this God who's with me in my life, that I've invited into my life, when I, when I call Him, He's there. He's there right there. And if Jesus can rest through the storm, so can I. I don't always feel that way, but I've learned that. If Jesus can rest through the storm, so can I. And so when the storms are, are furious, and it seems like no one else cares, that God doesn't care, remember this, our God is a God who saves. Our God is a God who saves from the consequences of sin, from the storms of life. Notice number three, from seasons of doubt in our life. God saves us from seasons of doubt in our life. Have you ever gone, the storm's been so severe, so strong, you don't think anyone cares, and you begin to doubt the promises of God. I've been there. Matthew 14, Jesus again sent his disciples off in a boat. By the way, a lot of great things happen with the disciples out in a boat. Jesus teaches a lot of lessons from the boat. And he sends them out, and, and, and he's, he's sent them off because he's kind of irritated with the disciples because they just, they just want to send the crowds away. And so Jesus kind of tidies up after he feeds the crowd and, and ministers to him. He sends the disciples out. They're out in the middle of the boat, no one around. And Jesus goes off to pray a little bit, and he comes back, and he comes walking on the water. Guess what? The disciples are scared. Wouldn't you be? Someone comes walking to you in the middle of the watch of the middle of the night, and someone comes walking out to you, and so uh, some, some amazing things happen here. It says that one of the things we learn in this passage of Scripture is that they are common, and they're reoccurrence in the life of Peter. What happens? Peter was afraid. All the disciples were afraid when they saw Jesus come along. They didn't know who he was. They're afraid about this, this storm, and it's going to lead to some doubts. And then Peter's encouraged in verse 27. Jesus speaks to him and says, It's I. Do not be afraid. Notice what happened. He's scared to death, and he's, now, he's, uh, he's encouraged because Jesus said, Take courage. It's I. Don't be afraid. Then, then Peter investigates the situation just a little bit more. He said, Lord, if it's you, command me to step out of this boat. Command me to walk on the water. If it's really you, Lord. So Jesus says, well, okay, it's me, come on. And so Peter hears the voice of God, and, and so he's been afraid, he's been encouraged, he's investigating deeper. Lord, if it's you, and Jesus says, it's I, come on. And so Peter hears the voice of God, and he steps out of the boat. Man, what an incredible story at this moment. Because while we preach against Peter and how Peter, all the bad stuff about Peter, uh, by the way, he's the only one that I know besides Jesus in the Bible that ever walked on water. He steps out. He's walking. He's doing it. He's walking on the water. But then what happens? He begins to focus on the storm, and he took his eyes off of Jesus, and doubt begins to set in. And, and while he's looking at Jesus, he's walking on water. He stepped out of the boat. He's been afraid. He's been encouraged. He's, he's, in, in, he's investigated the, the de deeper truths of God. He's heard Jesus say, come, come follow me. Come on out walk on the water. And then he gets out there and he starts looking around. So, you know what? <clears throat> I'm a human. And I can't walk on water. Instead of looking at Jesus, he starts looking down. And when he starts looking down, doubts set in. 
You know what happened when the doubt started setting in? He started to sink. He started to sink. Listen to what the word says when Peter realized he started to sink with a loud voice and when it saw the strong wind and the waves in verse 30 and 31. He was terrified and began to sink and he shouted out to the top of his voice. You know what he prayed? Save me, Lord. What he realized was this God who he served our God, he learned, was a God that, that saves. And in Peter's story here, he's a God who saves us from doubts. It's the key. You know, oftentimes when we step out to do something for God, we've taken a step of faith. What happens every time we take a step of faith? There's always a test of faith. And some of you, you thought you, you investigated, you were afraid to do something, you, you sought God, you said, Lord, if it's you, help me to take this next step. And you've taken the next step, and then all of a sudden, bam, you took your eyes off of Jesus, and you're starting to doubt, well, am I really called to do this? Am I really called to this next step? I mean, is really God really in this? And you're, and you're looking down, and you're looking around, you're looking at the storm that's coming up, and you're saying, I, I don't know, I don't think we can make it. You're taking your eyes off of Jesus. You know what you need to say? You need to understand this morning that our God is a God who saves from the doubts we face in life, and we need to call on Him, Lord, save me. And what the Bible says is immediately, Jesus reached down and grabbed His hand, and saved them. You know why? Our God is a God who saves. Thomas learned this at the resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus, we just celebrated last Sunday and, and talked about in this series. Our God is a God who saves. He resurrected from the dead His own Son, Jesus Christ. And because of the resurrection, we have hope and unbelievable promises of God. But you know what a lot of the disciples did? You know what Thomas did when he heard about Jesus being risen from the grave? You know what he did? He jumped on board. No. What they call Thomas? Doubting Thomas. Read that great passage of Scripture in Matthew 28 about the, the resurrection and the Great Commission. And you know what? While others are believing in the resurrected Jesus Christ, you know what? It says, and some doubted. Surrounds the Great Commission. Surrounds the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we forget and we forsake this God who saves. Our God is a God who saves from the consequences of sin, from the storms of life, from the seasons of doubt. Notice number four, from the feelings of despair. From the feelings of despair. Sometimes the storms have come so, so furious upon us and the doubts are so strong and we end up feeling despair. Listen to Psalm 34, verse 17 and 18. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Let me tell you about that word there that's used, crushed. Not literally means broken. It talks about broken spirit and crushed. Not just something that's breaking or broken, but something that's crushed into pieces. Have you ever had something valuable to you that breaks? And there's maybe a little chip, maybe a piece that comes off it. What do you do? You go out and get the super glue and you fix it up and you put it back. I've got this really beautiful elephant that I, that I got one time when I was in, in, in India. It's a huge kind of wonderful uh, reminder of my trip to India. And it just has this... You know, kind of the uh, trunk kind of goes up there, and I love it. My kids knocked it off and broke it. So mom glues it back together. Just one piece that broke off, she kind of puts it back together, and I didn't know about it for a long time. I didn't notice it. <laughs> but have you ever broken something into pieces? Something got broken, it's splattered, it's, it's just crashed, and it, it's not one piece that needs to be glued back together. It's just broken into a, a million crushed pieces. And what do you do? You sweep it up, and you... 
Throw it away. There's no hope for this. And the word that's used here that describes the righteous who, who sometimes are broken and crushed, it's a, not just a broken piece, it's broken into pieces. It's crushed into pieces. And, and, and sometimes we think, well, man, look at my life, man. It is, I'm just crushed. I'm crushed under these circumstances. I'm crushed in this relationship. I'm crushed in this job. I'm crushed and I'm broken into pieces and I'm absolutely of no value and of use to anybody. Just forget it. No. Because our God is a God who saves. He talks about the broken from all their troubles, close to the brokenhearted, and saves those who are crushed in spirit. I could give you dozens of scriptures this morning that describe for us the ability of our God to save us in the midst of life's circumstances that are breaking us and have left us absolutely crushed. i got to tell you something. Sometimes Paul, he, Paul was crushed. Paul was broken. And Paul begins to describe for us in many of Paul's writings about, so this happened in my life so that I wouldn't depend on myself or my own abilities or my own strengths. This happened so that I would become absolutely dependent upon God and I'm crushed and I'm broken into pieces. But God is a God who saves. Read 2 Corinthians chapter 7, 4, verses 7 to 18 about this treasure we have in, in, in earthen vessels and how we're broken and how God puts those pieces back together. We may be prospered and, 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 and uh, we may be crushed, but we're not, as Paul says, broken beyond repair because our God is a God who saves. Notice the next thing. Our God's a God who saves us from the consequences of sin. He's a God who saves us from the storms of life. He's a God who saves us in the seasons of doubt and from the feelings of despair. But notice this. He's also a God that saves us from the troubles of today. The troubles of today. Matthew 6, verse 34, the second part. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Listen to this, the second part of the verse here. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You know what that says? I mean, all disappointment, here's a leadership principle for you, all disappointment is a result of unmet expectations. And someone said to you, hey, listen, why don't you turn over your life to God? Because if you do that, have you ever heard this evangelism technique? All your problems will be gone. I don't know where they read that. <laughs> but a lot of people are buying in that. I want, I want, I want to, hey, I'm tired of these problems. I'm tired of these troubles I'm facing my life. So I'm giving my life over to Jesus, God who saves me from my sin. And all of a sudden we face troubles and trials and tribulation. Well, we haven't read the rest of the Bible because John 16, verse 33 says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, Jesus goes on to say, you will have what? Trouble. But don't worry, take heart because I'm the God who saves. I'm the God that overcomes. I'm the God who can save us from the troubles of today. Psalm 138, verse 7. Though I walk in the midst of troubles, David said, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against your anger and my foes. With your right hand you save me. Where? In all my troubles. Psalm 34, verse 6. The poor man crawled, and the Lord heard him, and he saved him out of all his troubles. Our God is a God who saves us from the troubles of today. Notice the next one. Our God is a God who saves us from the fears of tomorrow. Not just the troubles of today, but listen to the the context, the first part of verse Matthew 6, verse 34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow, uh, each day has enough troubles of its own. Let tomorrow worry about itself. 
Let me tell you something. I believe there's probably some people in this service here this morning that are having a hard time listening to what I'm saying because you're worried about something's happening on Tuesday. God forbid what's going to happen on Friday. How am I going to get through this? Oh, man, this is that week I've been dreading all, all year. I've been dreading this one week because i got to face this. and i got I got to meet with so-and-so this week. And all you're worried about is the, the, this, what you've got to face this week. And so you're, the fears of tomorrow, the fears of tomorrow, they're overwhelming to you. And you just want to, oh, man, what am I going to do? What am I gonna, hey, listen, our God is a God who saves us from the troubles of today, but He also saves us from the fears of tomorrow. I've learned in my life I can put... Trust in this God. This God that Hebrews 13 tells us the same yesterday, today, and forever. For 2 Corinthians 1.10, he talks about this God who delivers us yesterday and from such deadly pearl. And He will deliver us today, again, today. And then it goes on to say, And on Him we have set our hope that He will continue to deliver us. You know when that is? Tomorrow. Our God is a God who saves us from the fears of tomorrow. Lastly, I would suggest to you today, that this God is a God who saves, is a God who saves us from the attacks of the enemy. How I many of you know that the, Satan would love to take us out? Satan loved to, to tell the story about how Jesus died. Satan doesn't love to hear the story about how Jesus rose again. And because of the resurrection, it changes everything. Because of the hope we have in a resurrected Jesus and a God who's alive forevermore, we have hope because of the resurrection. No matter what we're facing, no matter what storms, and no matter what doubts, and no matter what struggles, and no matter fears and troubles of today, no matter what we're facing, no matter what attacks are coming from the enemy, our God is a God who saves. Some great stories in the book of Daniel. Two particularly. One happens in, in Daniel chapter 3. It's the context of Nebuchadnezzar and, and, and uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and, and they, uh, they get thrown into the fiery furnace, you know? And, 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 and so their story goes like this. They, they're thrown into the fiery furnace, and, and then God delivers them out of all their troubles and of all the enemies that came and put them in, and told on them and had them thrown into the fiery furnace. What they realize is that they, when they look in, they threw three men in the fire, but there's four walking around. You know why? Because our God's a God who saves he doesn't leave us alone in the midst of the storm. He doesn't leave us alone in the midst of the trial. He doesn't leave us alone in the midst when we're having doubts. He's there in the, in the, in the helm of the, the ship in our life. He's there in our ship as we travel and as we journey through life. Therefore the king said, Therefore I decree that any people, nation, or language that speaks anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut into pieces. And their house shall be made an ash heap. Listen to what he says. Listen to what he declares because of what they went through. Because there is no other God who can save like this. No other God. I've seen him. He saves. He delivers. He steps in in the midst of my fire. He's a God that saves. You remember the next story in Daniel chapter 6? The story of Daniel in the lion's den? He found himself in a very uncomfortable position and he thrown into the lion's den and everyone thought that's the end of Daniel. But they forgot about Daniel's God because the God of Daniel and the God of Israel was a God who saves us. Our God, Daniel knew, was a God who saves us. And he knew he could trust in him. He said to those people, do whatever you need to do to me because my God will deliver me. 
Do whatever you need to do. God will see me through this. And so God shut the mouths of the lions and they went. And the king came asking for Daniel. And the king Darius wrote to all the nations and people in every language in all the earth. That's a missions passage of scripture, by the way. May you prosper greatly, he wrote. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel, the God of Israel. Listen to what he goes on to say. This is the decree that went out to the entire world at that time. For he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. Listen to this statement. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. You know what our God is? Our God is a God who saves, and our God is a God who bundles. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders. Our God is a God who saves. And this list is not exhausted. Today, if you're in trouble, if you need the hope of the resurrection living out in your life, I want you to know our God is a God who saves. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus today and I pray, Lord, that we walk away with this grand truth from this message this morning. Psalm 68, verse 20. Our God is a God who saves. Blessed be the name of the God of Israel, the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the God of Daniel. And Lord, we profess and we proclaim today, we will not forget and we will not forsake you. We are turning, we are calling out to you And we are crying out to the living God, who is a God who saves. Lord, help us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.